you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by none other than Dr. Katrina from Profitable Alignment. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you so much, Mads. I love being here with you. Fantastic. Fantastic. I am super psyched for today. We're going to talk about some things that I have not touched on before, which is pretty rare. But just before <laughs> we jump into all this good stuff, uh, can you tell me and the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background and how you ended up where you are right now? I am happy to. My name is Dr. Catherine Weiberg. I go by Dr. Catherine. Leaders hire me to help them increase their employee engagement and, and retention because most are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars every year on resignations, recruitment, and onboarding. So I help them to challenge today's status quo and recognize how they can incorporate the strengths of their team into the, the strengths of the organization using my reframe, rewrite, redesign model for organizational success. The bottom line is that revenue is based on human capital and the power of alignment. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And you touched on a few things already. So let's jump right into it. I mean, employee engagement and employee retention, like how, how do we do it? How do we keep great people around? Well, it really is a matter of understanding your people. You know, as I said, the bottom line is that revenue is based on human capital and proper alignment. So you need to know who you have, not just what jobs do they fill, not just what skills are on their resumes, but who are they? When you can recognize the different strengths that people have and the things that they love to do, perhaps even why they love their job in the first place or why they used to love their job, if maybe they don't anymore, then you can build on that, create the teams where you have people with different strengths to balance out where other people don't have those same strengths. As those become engaged, people get excited. Ooh, I like going to work. I'm valued. And then profits automatically increase. People like to be heard and recognized for who they really are. So are you saying there's people who like going to work? I like going to work. I think it's fantastic. And in fact, even when before I was a business consultant, when I was an employee, I would only apply for jobs that I knew I would enjoy. And if there were something that I didn't love about my job, I would either find a way to do it differently or expand my job. And if it got really bad and there were nothing I could do about it, then I would start looking for another job. But honestly, we spend so much time at work it really ought to be something you want to be doing. 
and so much time preparing for work, really. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I, I, th I think it's interesting. And I, I totally agree with the, the mindset behind it, right? Like, I've, I've had a fair chunk of jobs myself. And uh, I always had the rule that, you know, it's easy to always complain. But huh? the way I look at it is that if it's bad enough for me to complain, then I should do something about it instead of complaining. Um, exactly. I, I think most of the time, it's so easy just falling into the trap of complaining about things that you know, you see is, or you feel is not really in your control. And then just all you end up doing is making yourself unhappy. And that mm -hmm. seems pretty silly. But anyway, that's a little bit of mindset. So um, it was perfect. I, I just wanted to add to that, if I could. In 2014, I attended an event and the host said, you may only complain if you have a solution or you're willing to be part of the solution. You have to be willing to do something about it if you're going to complain. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, it. sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, so how do we go about doing all the cool things that you just mentioned? I mean, you, you mentioned knowing people and all this, all this good stuff, which I'm a huge fan of as well, but, but how do you do it? I mean, how, how do you help people figure out what their strength, how do you figure out the strength of your staff? Well, I actually, as a consultant, I don't necessarily have a one size fits all. I have a lot of things that fit into my framework. One of the things that I like to do is to observe meetings. So this is just one of the little things. I actually have a, a PDF that I make available to people who attend workshops or attend speeches that I give. But observe meetings. Look at who is participating, who is not participating. How are they participating? What kinds of things are they saying? And then look at how do they respond after the meeting? If you happen to be the leader with a title, do you see a shift when you walk in or when you speak up? And what does that do? And from there, you can start asking people, what does Mads do well? What does Scott do well? What does Sarah do well? You can ask other people for insight. My favorite, though, is to go to the people themselves. What do you like to do? What brought you here? And these can be little conversations. It doesn't have to be a huge other interview process, but little conversations. What do you like to do in your spare time? One of my favorite stories, if I may quickly, there's a lady that I know that worked for the states. I happened to be in Washington state in the US and she was a state employee. I knew her from participating in Toastmasters. I also knew that she was a master gardener. The work that she did at the state, she was no longer loving, but I spoke to her about what did it take to become a master gardener? She talked to me about the research she had to do, the practice she had to do, and why she wanted to do it. Her whole face just lit up. I said to her, if your employer looked at you and said, I know you're a master gardener, 
that shows me that you research well, that you experiment, that you're willing to make mistakes. I want you to use that to help us solve this problem. What would that do for your job satisfaction? Again, she lit up. She got so excited. I would love to do that. I could do that. So it was an opportunity to look at where do you focus and how can you bring that in? What else can you do with it? Fantastic. I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's many, many good ways to, to find out. I, I personally spend a lot of time on behaviors and, you know, just understanding people's natural strengths and weaknesses from that point of view. Mm -hmm. But I think in, in the end of the day, um, it's, it's about researching. It's about getting to know your people, right? And, and I think mm -hmm. my number one thing with, with people management is definitely, you know, spend more time with your people, get to know them. Um, the more time you invest in your staff, the more you will get back. That That is, I mean, I, I see it happen over and over again, right? Yes, I completely agree. And sometimes organizations hire consultants because they don't know how to do that. So that's yeah. why people like you and people like me come in with our frameworks, with our research, with our experience, with our statistics and say, I can help you do it. Because sometimes they say, it sounds great. I want to do this. I just need some steps. I just need a little shift. And that's when you can affect the culture. And that culture that you create consciously, that you keep together, you can then continue. It all becomes a process. How, how do you do that, Catherine? How do you create a good company culture? And what is a good company culture, I guess? My definition of a good company culture is a place where people want to be, where if their work week starts on Monday, on Sunday, they're saying, ooh, I'm going to be going to work tomorrow. And I get to do this, and I get to do this, and I want to do this, and I get to interact with this person. Whereas the opposite also can be true. I've heard of so many people who... Their work week starts on Monday and Sunday evening, they're getting anxious. They're getting tense. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to deal with this individual. I don't want to do this task. I don't, I, I just, I don't want to be there. I don't feel good. I don't feel valued. And sometimes they make themselves ill. So to create the company culture, again, just like you were saying, it comes back to understanding. One of my favorite things to recognize is that culture comes from the leaders. Whatever the leaders tolerate and whatever the leaders reward and recognize will continue. So if you recognize and reward kindness in the workplace, conversations with clients, new ideas, innovation, then that's going to increase. If you tolerate people being unkind to each other, saying things about each other behind each other's backs, finding ways to blame other people, then that will continue. But again, if you find ways to encourage people to 
recognize that somebody's doing something well or to demonstrate, I believe in my company's vision. I want to help that mission succeed and I want to help achieve. And if you reward strong customer service or client results, then that will continue. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Um, you mentioned earlier you have a, a, a new framework or, or a framework that you use a lot called the Appreciative Intelligence Framework. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what that's all about? It's really fun to me because we've heard for years have an attitude of gratitude and build on strengths and so forth. But when I was earning my Doctor of Management in Organizational Development and Change, I discovered that there's a whole body of study on what they call appreciative intelligence. It is recognizing what you have and building on it. Now, one of the frameworks that was introduced to me, which inspired me on my own framework, is by Stavros and Heinrich. It's called SOAR. Instead of looking at a SWOT of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, SOAR looks at strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. So again, it is looking at what you have inside of the organization, inside of the teams, inside of the individuals for them to soar to new heights. Now, my model is reframe, rewrite, redesign. It's similar because it's looking at what brought you to this point. Was it things that you really liked? What did the founder have to say when he or she started the company in the first place or founders? What was the vision then? What went wrong? What went right? Looking at those experiences in a new way, much like if you take a picture from a white picture frame and you put it in a black picture frame, the picture is the same, but it looks different because of the frame that it's in. It reflects light differently, different things are accented. So you have the opportunity to reframe what brought you to today. And now what do we want to do about it? What do we not like? What do we wish we could change? Because guess what? You can rewrite based on your new understanding of what got you here. And then you can redesign the ideal future you want, redesign the culture, redesign how leadership works, redesign how employees are engaged, redesign your vision, and then backward plan. If that's where we want to go, how are we going to get there? Let's appreciate that everything that has happened in the organization can be turned to benefit the organization and the individuals within it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. That sounds great. And what how's what's the process usually look like when you go through the framework with an organization? Like, how long does it take, and what what's what do you find is generally the obstacles? Well, I have a couple of different processes and packages. It is basically what is the organization going to need itself. So it's not always exactly the same. 
I do 12 month consulting terms where we break things into 12 week segments to work on things such as leadership or management training and transition or recognizing group dynamics and how they actually mirror change and also how they demonstrate and influence your corporate culture. I also have a six month opportunity for a very similar thing, but it's, a, there are, I have workshops that I give on becoming the leader you would follow, on stopping the employee exodus, on recognizing how group dynamics affect your onboarding and your retention, how they demonstrate your culture, and also how they mirror change, how you in group dynamics, for example, you have forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. Those are the, the five steps of one of the main group dynamics models. And when you're looking at change, it mirrors that. The forming is when you recognize that something has to change. And so we're going to be making some big changes, potentially. We're putting it all together. We're starting by recognizing the changes. And then storming is when you're starting to work through them, starting to find out what's easy and what isn't. Norming is when the change starts to take effect. Performing is when everything is beautiful. Adjourning is when teams change again. So, but it mirrors, it mirrors change. And that's one of the things that I like to go over to help people understand. So they can see, do you want to change how you're onboarding people? because maybe that's going to help in your company culture. Maybe people don't really get the vision. Maybe that's part of your storming phase. Maybe you don't have enough people with different ideas on your teams, or maybe some of those ideas just can't resolve and you need to change your teams up. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Um, how, how do you generally see leaders, I mean, leaders can be seen in many different things, right? But, but fundamentally, in, in most organizations, really, leadership and, and being a leader, whether that's a manager within a team, or whether that's the CEO, how, how do you generally see people develop the best? Like, what, what's sort of your recommendation to a leader or someone who wants to be a leader in terms of growth and development of themselves? I am a leader who became the leader I want because I was not a very kind leader when I was a teenager, a young teenager especially, and that's how I, I look at comparing myself. For me, if a leader wants to be a good leader, he or she needs to look at what do I wish I had when I was younger or when I started in a position, if, if I wanted somebody to mentor me, what would I want from that person? And looking first at yourself, think of leaders that you had, that you respected, that you enjoyed. Determine if their leadership style and your natural leadership style are the same or different. Also recognize that sometimes the things that you admire in other people 
you already have in yourself. So compare yourself to people you admire, not so you can say, oh my goodness, I admire Mads so much and I am not like Mads. But so you can say, I admire Mads. What do I do that's like Mads? What do I like that Mads does? Do I ever do anything like that? And get some self-evaluation. Once you understand the leader you would follow so that you can start learning what do I need to do to become that person? Do I need more emotional intelligence? Do I need more appreciative intelligence? Do I need to learn how to listen actively? Do I need to understand managing processes more? What do you need that you see? And then find out what do your people want? How can they understand how you are leading? Also, what do you like about the mission and vision of where you're working? What drew you to it? Because frankly, if you don't believe in it, nobody else will either. And if you don't want to be at work on Monday, nobody else will want to be there either. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And I think uh, fundamentally for me, that's definitely one of the big things, right? Like you have to. I certainly say learn to love what you do, no matter what you do. Uh, re reality uh -huh. is if, if you want to succeed, you, you need to find a way to love what you're doing. And it doesn't matter what your mission is and it doesn't matter what you're doing in reality. You need to learn to love it um, because you, you, you will only inspire people around you if you're actually living not just a company's vision, but, but really your vision. I mean, when I look at leaders, right, one of the key things for me is I, I, I don't look at them as part of the company, even though you are, but I look at each leader of, of, with a certain drive, with a certain something to add to the world. And I, I think if you, if you actually spend some time figuring out, you know, what is it you are trying to change? Why is it you are a leader? And most mm -hmm. people are like, well, it pays well, but uh, you know, you, you need to figure out and, and, uh, Everyone talks about finding your why and so on, and, and that's all great, but it's not necessarily as easy or as simple as, as people think, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, but fundamentally, you, you want to understand, like, what, what mm -hmm. is it you're doing? Why are you in a leadership position? And why are you, why are you putting yourself out there? Because reality mm -hmm. is being a leader is not easy, right? No, it isn't. It Definitely isn't. It's not. not simply because you're a fan, you're fantastic at the technicalities of the job. That doesn't make you a great leader. It's can you encourage other people to be fantastic at the technicalities of the job? Is there a reason that you're fantastic? What do you like? It's, it's a series of questions. If you yeah. want to find your why, you need to ask yourself why. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I think one of the key things that I realized relatively early on in my career, luckily, is the fact that most people don't actually understand what drives them. So mm -hmm. a lot of the time, particularly in our society, you know, everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's all about the money, you know, it's all about the pay rise. And re reality is most people, I mean, every, everyone, uh, most people work for money. Correct. Right. But it's not the core motivator for vast majority of people out there. And it's true. A lot of the time, one of the challenges is that many people who start a business 
um, are often motivated by money and that's often the reason why they do it. And it's just so easy and so simple for them to assume that that's why everyone else does what they do. But uh-huh. the second you actually learn to realize people's motivations and particularly what really drives them, right? You, you start being able to push the right buttons in a much, much mm-hmm. better way and get the most out of people that you have often given up upon, right? So I have exactly. so, so many clients that are like, oh, you know, this person is never performing, they're no good, et cetera. And, and literally just going in and looking at the motivations. And, and often it's because their motivation is very different from the people mm-hmm. who manage them, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. if you think people are motivated in a certain way and they're motivated completely opposite, that alone is probably enough for not just unhappiness, but just not pushing the right buttons to make people do the good, mm-hmm. good work. So. Exactly. It's, it's an extreme misalignment. And if, if you're familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages, it's been around around 25 years, it's the same kind of idea. You can look at it as, so how are you motivated? Do you like gifts and do you like them in public or in private? Do you like awards in front of people? Do you like thank you notes? So looking at praise. Do you like a great big handshake? Do you want a, a wad of money? Do you want opportunities for personal development and new challenges? But if if I love new challenges and you love money and I keep giving you challenges and no extra money, we are speaking a different language. Yep, 100%. <laughs> 100%. So, but yeah, that that's definitely, definitely a big thing. And it's, it's one of the things I see go wrong so frequently in, yes. in the world of leadership today. So. Yes, you and I are so on the same page. <laughs> I completely Excellent. agree with you. So, Catherine, any any great resources or any sort of things that have really motivated you or inspired you or that you really want to recommend for others to, to get hold of if they want to improve their management skills and become a better leader? So things outside of my own products? Yeah. <laughs> Some of actually, those as well. <laughs> no, actually, I love things from the Arbinger Institute. Uh, one of the things that got me really excited about really pushing for leadership development and employee engagement is their book, Leadership and Self-Deception. That's one that I love. I also really enjoy uh, Tom Rath's book, Strengths Finder. I am very much a believer that assessments, as wonderful as they are, are a starting point. And Understanding who you are today as you report your understanding of yourself on an assessment is fantastic to give yourself those insights and to help others to have those insights so that they say, oh, I have a place to start. It's not this is who you are from here forever, but this is who you are right now. And now we can play around and figure out what else can be done. I actually took the Strengths Finder test three different times at three different, a couple of years apart. And it was fascinating because the first two times, my top five strengths were similar, but in a different order. And I had one completely swap out. 
a couple of years later, I didn't have any of those five strengths. The difference, or at least in, in the top five, the difference was the situation of my life and the current focus of my life. It was truly fun to see, oh, the person I was three years ago, I still have those strengths, but they're not what I'm employing right now. I have these other strengths that have really come to the forefront and I get to use them differently. So that's why I look at them always as a starting point. I am all about conversation, conversation with people one-on-one -on -one or in small groups in order to find, set your baseline and find where you're going to grow from here. What other things can you do from here? Another one is the 12-week year by Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. I love that one. In fact, that's why my consulting packages are in 12-week blocks because we always do phases. It's not we're going to go in and change everything all at once. It's no, this is where we want to go. Let's break it down. What are we going to accomplish the first 12 weeks? How are we going to habit stack on that from James Clear's Atomic Habits? How are we going to habit stack onto that first 12 weeks? How are we going to change the culture a little bit at a time so people don't choke on the change, but it becomes normal? Those are some Fantastic. of my favorites. <laughs> that was lots of amazing recommendations. I am familiar with most of them, so that sounds good, but uh, I think there was one I will go and have a look at myself. So thank you very, very much for sharing. That was fantastic. Um, if people are eager to get hold of you, Katrin, what is the way to do that? My website is profitablealignment.com. I'm taking for granted you're going to have that in show notes, so you probably don't want me to spell it. But <laughs> I also can be found on LinkedIn under Profitable Alignment or under Dr. Catherine Weiberg. I do, as I said, I go by Dr. Catherine, but you can reach out and contact me through LinkedIn or through Profitable Alignment. There's a contact us and also book with drcatherine.com and doctor is just dr. Perfect. And I will get that to you. So you can put that in the show notes as well. Excellent. Thank you very much, Catherine. That was uh, fantastic. That was a super fun conversation. And uh, I'm sure the audience have had a fun time as well. I hope so. I did. <laughs> Excellent. And to the audience, thank you very much for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Have a great time. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.